So when we spread metta, we should do this to ourselves first. And just like when we're in an aeroplane, and um, if there's an emergency, we should put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. Um, and that way we'll have a strong body, which is able to help other people. And just like that, if we have happiness, then we'll be able to relieve the suffering of others. But if we are going through difficulty and pain, then we won't be able to help others relieve their difficulty and pain. So we have to have this metta, this love for ourselves. And the Buddha said that there is no love equal to the love for oneself. And so just as if we were on fire and other people were on fire, we'd have to put ourselves out first, this fire that's caught ourselves. And so we have to put the suffering in our own heart out first. And so we wish for ourselves to be free from that suffering and to have the happiness that comes from spreading loving kindness. To not have meet with any vengeance um, or any danger in our life. Because the mind that is seeking vengeance is ill at ease. So we don't wish for um, to receive that from other people and we don't um, have it towards others as well, this wishing to settle scores. So these qualities of metta, of loving-kindness, of karuna, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, and upekka, equanimity, is something that we need to spread to ourselves at first. And we see that we too are of the nature to follow and um, our lives are impacted, created by our karma. So we, when we develop these four divine abodes, um, then the mind experiences um, ease and peace from that. And we have that towards ourselves first, and then we spread it towards those who we love and feel affection for. And then the neutral category of people, those who we don't feel averse to and those who don't hate us. And then when the mind is very filled with metta, when it's strong, then we go and spread it to those who have hate and aversion towards us. And so we do this in line with the chanting, this chanting of, um, that we do in Pali and in our own language of spreading these Brahmaviharas to ourselves and to others. This is a way of training our minds. And just as when we develop dana or generosity, this is also a form of loving kindness because we're giving. We're giving to the monks and the summoners, um, those who are determined to seek the truth and to live in line with the Buddha's teachings. So we support them in that act, in their search of 
the Buddha's teachings of the truth. We provide them with food, with water, with shelter that can relieve um, painful physical sensations. And so the benefits that comes from that uh, for the people who give these things is um, a very bright and beautiful complexion. We also give medicines that relieve and cure illnesses. And the benefit that comes from that for the giver is for them to be free from illnesses and free from bodily pain. Because we're giving that as well. In order to create goodness like this, there has to be the intention and the thought to do it beforehand. This is something that comes from our mind. It's a skillful act of mind, <clears throat> these wholesome thoughts. But it's also normal for unskillful thoughts to come into our minds as well. And we see that all of these um, thoughts are just dhammas, they're phenomena, they're mental impressions that have arisen, last for a while and cease. If we're intelligent, then we're able to separate out between the skillful and the unskillful. And if it's a skillful thought, then we follow it. And if it's unskillful, then we just put it down, we let it go. We let it cease in line with its nature. We have this knowing quality within our hearts that's always following up and taking care of our minds. For this knowing to be very strong and for true wisdom um, to come up in the heart, there needs to be a foundation of samadhi for that to rest upon first. Developing these four divine abidings of kindness, of compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity, they're able to give this strong foundation to the mind as well, able to support the mind so that it can calm down into peace. And these are qualities that support and prop up the world as well. Because if the people who live in the world are devoid of kindness, then there'll just be chaos and um, and difficulty. But if we have this kindness towards one another, then this world is able to stay on. We're able to live together. And so the Buddha taught that this quality of metta is that which props up and supports the world. In Buddhism, we teach this kindness towards ourselves and others, and in other religions, it's taught as well. And the reason societies are able to get on and survive is because the individuals in those societies have kindness and compassion, have this wish for happiness, both our own happiness and the happiness of others, through seeing that just as we desire to be happy, and so do others, just the same. And just as we don't wish to feel any pain or suffering, and so too others don't wish to feel those, those feelings. There's no difference between us and others in this regard. When we have this understanding, then the mind will be firm through 
this quality of metta, of kindness. There will be happiness in the heart, a feeling of ease and contentment. There won't be any wish for harm or for settling old scores. And so societies can get along, people can live with one another because of these qualities. We can see that when Buddhist monasteries are established overseas, um, it depends on the kindness of the Buddhist communities in those countries to come together and help out. And oftentimes it's Thai people that um, help out these monasteries and support them. But really all of the Buddhists in those countries, they um, join hands in helping to support these monasteries. And so they're able to um, flourish, even in non-Buddhist countries, all through the power of this quality of kindness. When we develop kindness frequently in our hearts, um, there are many benefits that come up for us. When we spread out metta, then we'll sleep at ease and we won't have any nightmares. When we come to practice and take up the sila, the five precepts, this in itself is a form of kindness because through taking these precepts, we're not causing harm to other people and to ourselves. We're building up goodness in our own hearts and the results of that goodness is a happiness. It's something that comes up and is apparent right here and now. Whenever we build goodness, whenever we uh, do acts of merit, then the heart feels at ease right here and now. There's a um, pleasant um, feeling, quality to the heart. So when we keep these precepts, then what we're doing is maintaining wholesome actions of body and speech. We speak words that are true, that are pleasant to hear, that aren't insulting or coarse, and that aren't frivolous. And this is right or correct speech. We also take up wholesome actions, that which doesn't harm the lives of ourselves or others. And this is right bodily karma. We also don't take away um, things which are loved or belong to other people. We don't take those as being me or mine. We don't take those as being my possessions. And also there's this um, last precept of alcohol. And we can also include cigarettes under that as well. We don't take them um, and our minds are able to stay in a normal state and we can develop our meditation practice. There was a novice who came to ask me about this last precept and he asked, if we drink but we don't get drunk, is that wrong? Is that an unwholesome act? If we drink alcohol, but we have mindfulness as we're doing it, 
then that is wrongdoing, but it's a minor form of wrongdoing. And there's actually a story that's related to this that I'd like to tell. Um, there was a monk at the time of the Buddha, and this monk was, um, he had very strong psychic powers. And very recently, um, or just before this, he had uh, done battle with a great Naga, this great um, serpent, and had defeated it through the power of his psychic abilities. After this feat, he walked into a village and the villagers wanted to separate, uh, celebrate his victory. And they did this by offering him one small teacup of alcohol, um, what they called a pigeon's foot alcohol. And so the first house that he came across, they came out and offered him one teacup of this liquor and he drank it. And then he went to the next house and um, as he walked past that house, they came out and offered him one cup. Then he passed the next house and they offered him another cup. And um, by the time he got to the monastery, he had passed many houses and he was thoroughly drunk by that time. Now, normally this monk um, had great respect for the Buddha. And whenever he went to sleep or lay down, he would do so with his head pointing towards the direction that the Buddha was in. But in this drunken state, he had no idea about direction. He didn't have a clue which was north and which was south. So the monks who laid him down, they put him with his head towards the Buddha. But in his stupor, he turned around and he was pointed his feet towards the Buddha. And so the Buddha said to the other monks, well, look at this. You know, just recently, this monk with great psychic powers had fought with this powerful Naga. But right now, he wouldn't even be able to defeat a tiny snake. And this was because the alcohol had destroyed his mindfulness. So if, um, so through drinking, um, this monk had just lost his presence of mind. As practitioners, we know how difficult it is already when we're sober to have and develop mindfulness. And if we drink a little, then there'll be a little harm that comes from that. But if we don't drink any alcohol, there'll be no harm that comes towards us. So this abstaining from alcohol falls under right action. And when we keep right speech and right action, then we're also in line with right view. We have this foundation in goodness. Um, a wishing to um, keep away suffering. But even though we have that wish, we realize that suffering is waiting right in front of us because soon we'll have to meet old age, sickness and death and all the things we like and love will become separated from us. So knowing that we will have to meet with these things in the future we should cultivate our mindfulness now. So we have 
the strength to be able to fight with these things. And just as if we were to go on a journey through very remote and difficult country, we would need a strong body that was free from illness to be able to do that. We'd need to gather provisions for um, the journey first. So for us, we need provisions um, to travel on in the cycle of samsara. Because if we don't have these four requisites, or if they're lacking, then it's difficult for us to get by. If we have um, created bad karma in the past, then we won't have um, this these provisions to carry on on this journey with happiness. So we'll meet with a lot of suffering and a lot of difficulty. If our minds don't have mindfulness, if they're lacking in wisdom, then we'll have to experience suffering. So when we are lacking in these four requisites, then life is tough. If we get sick, but we don't have medicine, or we don't have the money to go see a doctor, then it's going to be very painful. If we don't have the money to eat food like other people do, then we're going to experience pain. If we don't have clothing that's as nice as the people around us, and we don't have the wisdom to be able to contemplate into that, then there'll be suffering. We'll compare ourselves with others. And if there isn't sufficient shelter to keep away the heat and the cold from our bodies, then we'll experience physical pain. So when these four requisites are lacking, suffering results from that. There was actually a case of this um, at uh, the time of the Buddha. It was the time of the Buddha. Um, that there was a man who was very wealthy, um, but very stingy as well. And he didn't give away any of his wealth. So when he died, he got born into the womb of a beggar. Now normally this beggar would go out to to sit on the side of the street and she would get um, sufficient amount to eat and enough money to get by. Um, and there was a whole group of them that would go out to beg together. And there was a leader of this beggar group. But when um, this wealthy man died, this wealthy and stingy man died and then came into the womb of this woman, then no one would give anything to her. Even though she, sh she sat on the street as she had done before, um, people just didn't give anything. And so this begging group was um, surprised by this. They were confused as to why they weren't getting as much as they used to. And in India, the beggars, they're, they're not normal uh, beggars. They've, they've got a lot of wisdom and they've got a lot of intelligence about them. And they believe in the law of karma as well. 
So the leader of this group of beggars, he figured that there must be something going on and that probably one of them in the group um, had very bad karma or didn't have any goodness, any parami about them at all. So they wanted to figure out who it was. So the leader of this group, he split the beggars up into two separate groups um, to try and find out which of those would get less than normal. And it was the group that this woman was in. And so they split that group up into two more groups. And then that group got, went from four people to three people to two until it was just this one woman. Um, and so it showed very clearly that um, she was the cause of this, or rather that this child that had come into her womb um, didn't have any goodness, didn't have any good karma. So the leader of the beggar, he separated this woman out and told her not to go and beg with them anymore. And people gave as they had previously. They got just as much as they normally did from their begging. So we can see that um, these things, they do carry on into our future lives as well. If we're very stingy in one life, then it causes us to lack in another life as well. This woman gave birth and then uh, a boy was born. And this boy would go and beg, but no one gave to him. And as he walked past um, his old house that he used to live in, when he was a very wealthy man, he wanted to, he remembered that that was his previous house and he wanted to go in there, but they wouldn't let him in. And just at that moment, the Buddha walked past with Venerable Ananda. And the Buddha uh, smiled and Venerable Ananda asked why. And the Buddha said that this child used to be the owner of that house, used to be a very wealthy man, and now he wants to go back to where he had been in his previous life. So the Buddha had kindness and he asked Venerable Ananda to go and tell uh, the people who lived in that house that really this young child uh, used to be their father. And when they found this out, um, then this young child uh, got taken very good care of. So this is the benefit of having the Buddha there because if the Buddha hadn't said anything, then he would have lived, this child would have lived a very difficult life, just following on the karma of the stinginess that he had created before. There was also another instance um, when the Buddha, while he was still a bodhisattva, uh, took birth in the womb of his mother in that life. At that time, the city that they were living in uh, got invaded, so they fled to another city. Now, normally, it would have been very unlikely that they would have survived that journey because it was very far away, this other city, and the going was tough. So ordinarily, they would have died on the way. 
Um, but Indra came down to help them out and showed them a shortcut to this new city. And in not long they were able to get there. So this comes from the goodness that the Buddha had created through all of the generosity that he had um, cultivated in his previous lives and also the great kindness that he had. When they arrived in this new city, there was a Brahmin there who had many followers and many students. And when he saw the Buddha's mother, there was um, this love, this metta, loving kindness, that um, just naturally flowed forth towards the Buddha's mother. And he considered her to be like her, his child. <laughs> And this was due to the Buddha in his mother's womb, who was constantly spreading out loving-kindness. And so they received loving-kindness in return. You can see that when we develop kindness and compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity, then there's benefit that comes back towards us. Others want to help us when we go through difficulty, and this is the benefit of the goodness that we've created, that we've cultivated previously. So we see that goodness and merit is a cause for happiness, and unwholesome deeds result in suffering. When we have the time, we should come to practice in the monastery, whether it's for three days, five days, seven days, ten days, whether we can come on Saturdays and, or Sundays, then we should try and do that. Or there are people who, um, when it comes to the range retreats, they take up the precepts every day and they try to come to the monastery every day. By doing this, we create goodness and kusala, these skillful acts something that is a benefit and brings happiness to ourselves and others. And this arises in the present moment. When we have created this goodness, then after death, at the breakup of our body, then we get reborn in heaven. It's another life that we take, just like these human lives, um, but it's on a higher plane. There's great happiness in these heaven realms. And when we desire something, it's easy to come about, to get that. But something that the beings in these realms want but can't get is to be in heaven forever. They'll have to pass away at some point and to take birth again in the cycle of samsara. Just like Lady Visaka and Anathapindika, um, they created great goodness. And so their lives circled between the human realms and the heaven realms until they reached Nibbana. So I ask for everyone here who has created a lot of good karma, um, created the causes for happiness and to be relieved from suffering. I ask for everyone to gain this eye of Dhamma that will allow us to understand the teachings and the truth uh, that the Buddha taught. May all of our minds be bright and may we gain the wisdom that 
will lead us out of all suffering.